Well, good morning. Hope you had a good day today and all so far, but we're here to worship the Lord and have a good time together just honoring Him and just giving Him the glory, and that's what we want to do today. Uh, a little video there, of course, it's the week of Valentine's, and we got that kind of in our minds and, and everything, and we just uh, we just be thinking about that. But uh, more than anything, I think we need to be thinking about the love of God and how much He's shown His love to each and every one of us. And I hope that you're here today and you realize what that love cost Him because, uh, you know, it cost Him more than we can ever uh, dream of. And so... Just remember that as we go through this week, and that's kind of what the what the theme of all that was about. Well, um, we, uh, we, today's a little bit different because, uh, if most of you know, probably that our pastor is uh, is was admitted to the hospital last night. He was just having some some issues, some chest pains, and so they're they're going to keep him there and they're going to run some tests on him uh, this morning. He's uh, he's feeling you know okay you know he just didn't get a whole lot of sleep last night you know how it is in the hospital and uh but uh but you need to be praying for our pastor thad we don't know what he's going to be if he's going to be faced with anything or not but uh hopefully he'll be back with us in uh in no time uh just pray for the doctors and the nurses they'll take care of him and uh more than anything that the lord he's got a plan for all this and so you know we just trust him in all of that so uh i thought just to start off we just have a, a short word of prayer for him and, uh, and we just remember, let's just keep him in your prayers as we go through the rest of this day and until we find out what's going on there, okay? Meanwhile, we're going to have uh, uh, David Nichols is going to come and bring the message. That's the good thing about having an elder real church, you know. Uh, one person kind of goes down, another one's going to pop up in his place. And so David's going to share. When it all happened last night, we got together and was wondering what, what we're going to do. And then David said, to him, well, you know, I've got it on my mind already this thing going. And so God always makes a provision for that. So we're looking forward to, to that today. Let's have a uh, short word of prayer. And then uh, Andrea's going to come and, and talk about the missions conference a little bit. Okay, let's just pray. Father, we just come to you right now just thanking you for another day of life. Another day to be able to uh, represent you and to, to live our life for you. And Lord, we come together today to worship you, to honor you, to give you the glory, to speak well of you. And, uh, and you're the focus of this whole time together. And so, Lord, we thank you that we have that opportunity this morning. And Father, we just especially want to lift up our pastor, Thad. We all love him, and we just uh, want to see him to be back as soon as possible. Father, you know what is going on here. It's all within your, uh, your workings. Father, we don't understand that a lot of times. But, Father, we know that you have him in your hand, and you love him, and you love all of us. And we know that uh, whatever is going to happen, Father, is going to be you know, within your plan. You're perfect. You're good. Everything's going to be good. So, Lord, we just thank you. And we just ask you to just be with him, help him to rest, uh, help the doctors to be identified if there's a problem to be able to take care of it and just that we will all be back together with him uh, very, very soon. So, Lord, we thank you for this time that you've given to us. And, Lord, we just ask you to bless our time as we, uh, with our worship, Lord, would bless you. Be with us now. These things we ask you in name. Amen. Good morning, church family. Um, this is the theme for our missions conference. I'm excited to share this with you. Um, Brian Reed took this picture on our uh, travels to Bolivia back in 2011, and I 
just remembered him taking this picture and thought it was a perfect picture for our conference. Um, there's the open door. Uh, what's hindering you from walking through it? So the theme this year is unhindered. We want to be unhindered for the Lord, whether that's here or abroad um, in missions, because right here at home is a mission field as well as on foreign soil. So um, the unhindered comes from Acts 28, 30 through 31, where it says, Paul stayed two full years and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. So as we come up on our missions month in March, just think of that word being unhindered for the Lord in our daily walk. Um, so that's our theme. So you'll, you'll see that um, over the next month and as we come up the first two weekends in March with our missions conference. Uh, next is our craft fair. Um, we'll, oh, how did that one get up there? No, it's the missions market craft fair. That's coming up in May. It's this one. There we go. All right. Our missions market craft fair is going to be March 9th from 9 to 2. Um, if you are crafty and want to help us raise money for missions, um, it's $65 a space. Uh, you'll get a table and you can sell your wares. And uh, $65 will go straight to our missions fund. If you are traveling on a trip this summer, if you're planning on it, uh, we will not charge you the 65 and that'll be a fundraiser for your mission trip. Um, but if anything that you craft, you are welcome to come. Uh, you'll just need to see me or Rachel or Jessica about a space sign-up. Uh, you can also call the church office and sign up anytime. Um, and then you will be able to pay the day of. You can pay early too, but you can pay the day of. We will also have, I've got two food vendors signed up for that day. We're going to have boiled peanuts and uh, wings. Uh, those are our two food vendors signed up for that day. So, um, and of course, we want everyone to come out and support um, our vendors for that day. So it's going to be a good day. It's going to be inside uh, for all our crafters because we know how March weather is. We never know if it's going to be a heat wave, tornado, or a blizzard. So anyway, no matter the weather, we will be uh, cool or warm inside or dry. So we'll, it'll be indoors. So it's, it's going to be a good day. We're looking forward to that. Um, lastly, the missions applications are out in the foyer on this table in the back wall under the uh, screen. Um, please take one, fill it out if you are interested or feel led to go on any of the trips. Fill it out and then take it into the office. There is a uh, plastic container that you will just drop it in after you've filled it out, and someone from the missions committee will contact you about that trip and give you more information about it. Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought so. That's fine. I'll go look. <laughs> from Grace Community Church. Hi. We're Dower and Sandra from Croatia, and as you can tell by our accents, we are Croatians. 
And in the next couple of minutes, I'm going to walk you through several pictures and slides which will explain to you our ministry, what we have been doing in the last 22 years, and what we're going to be doing in, a, in the next couple of years. But first, a few words about us as a family. Son and I are high school sweethearts, together for 33 years since we were 15, and we have been married for 28 of those years. As you can tell, we love the outdoors, and after all these years, we still love serving together. We have two adult sons, one of them, Matthew, recently got married to Ariana, and they live very close by. The second one, Luca, he still lives with us. He's studying business and economics, and he's dating beautiful Eva. Croatia, where we live, is in the middle of Europe, just across Italy, south of Austria, and to the west of Hungary. Croatia is a country with long heritage of old palaces and castles, colosseums, and troubled past. Gospel has been preached here from the very beginning. Titus and Paul traveled here, but there is also a long history of persecution of Christians. The Balkan region, where Croatia is situated, is known as a graveyard of missionaries and very hard soil. We had wars as recently as 1990s and still feeling effects of that. There is a new war on our doorsteps again. But in spite of all of that, God still works. He has found us in the 90s when one of the short mission trips came to Croatia in spite of war. We ended up coming to Southeastern Bible College in Birmingham. We got two sons along the way and upon finishing our training, we returned back to Croatia in 2001 and started full-time ministry with crew. Our approach has always been win, build, send, winning people to Christ through evangelism, building them up through discipleship and mentoring, and sending them to work in their local churches and communities. Most recently, our ministry effort was to have teams of trained volunteers in 20 largest Croatian cities. Some of the evangelistic outreaches we use are weekend to remember marriage conferences. We also partner with local churches and organize a day to remember evangelistic outreaches, connecting people from the community to the local church. During the summer, we are reaching families through family camp where we also train our volunteers. One of the most satisfying aspects of our work was training regional leaders all the way from Ukraine and Belarus, Macedonia, Slovenia and Serbia. We had trained and resourced Bible study leaders and each one of these dots represents at least one of those groups. Marriage counseling has been one of the most effective evangelistic tools as people come to us with understanding of their brokenness, sinfulness, and inability to change themselves. And that is an easy platform to share the gospel. We're also using premarital counseling to reach young couples, and many of them are serving in their local churches and entering full-time ministry. Sandra is very active in discipling women, and especially younger women are drawn to her. She recently spoke at a Breakfast for Women evangelistic outreach where 130 women came to hear her and are exposed to the gospel. Discipling men, especially in our region where passivity is so prevalent, is one of my passions. Therefore, I organize men's events and retreats to challenge men to get to know him. Since we are very unique in what we do in Croatia, we are sought out by radio and TV stations, as you can see me now in the recent Good Morning Croatia show. 
during COVID lockdown, Sandra and I started an online outreach called Small School of Marriage, which has created a great visibility for our ministry. We are joining God in building His church and hoping to leave a lasting legacy. Legacy of transformed lives in Eastern Europe, and it is what we have been doing and what, God willing, we hope to continue serving now with the Ministry Essentials. Thank you so much that you have included us into the missions family. We're looking forward to going back, going back to the States and meeting you all. Bye-bye. Bye. Great. Uh, I don't know them. I don't know that uh, couple. And wasn't that exciting to see um, in the missionary graveyard? Did y'all see that? The, I mean, the years, the history, the, um, the presence of the gospel, and yet that's representative of most all of Europe. And uh, so to see uh, how God is building his church in Croatia through them, and it's exciting. I'm so glad the Lord brought them to us to partner with them and looking forward to our missions conference and all that's going to be going on during that time and all the preparations and the plans that are going on right now. Just so thankful for that. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, this morning I have the opportunity to share some things the Lord's been working in my life about. And immediately when I heard Dad was sick, I was like, okay, what could I be ready to share? Because I knew <laughs> this discussion may come up. <clears throat> and um, so, uh, and I'll tell you, uh, uh, in this process, um, we tease that a lot. But if you ever start taking him for granted, just try to fill his shoes. <laughs> I've got a lot on my plate this morning just trying to fill one Sunday. <laughs> I can't imagine doing that every Sunday. So pray for Thad to get back here soon. <laughs> so I'd like to share for you, with you this morning <clears throat> a theme that I've been thinking about. When Christ rules the Christian he indwells and what that looks like. And we're going to look at some, some components of that. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word that is active, it's alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And Lord, we have complete free access to your word. And yet we take it for granted so many times. It just lays on the shelf. So Lord, but we thank you for your word. Thank you that your word, heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will live and abide forever. Thank you that we live in a country where we don't have soldiers at the door and coming in to arrest us, but we have freedom to open your word and to worship together and to celebrate you. <laughs> and so thank you for that. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word. I pray you'd use it for our benefit, uh, convict where conviction is needed. Lord, encourage us where that's needed. Lord, work in our lives this morning as we open the living word of God together and look at these truths now. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I can never stand up here without remembering Thad preaching to the Muppets. <laughs> I mean, you know, you just, the, the puppets we had out during COVID. And so when I come in and see the church like this awful, it's like, thank you, Lord. We should never forget that. What a lesson for the church. And I'll tell you, the church took a big hit during COVID. I bet I've been talking to other pastors, Thomas Beavers, others, and 30, 35% down in membership after COVID. It's so great. We're going to introduce some new families at the end of the service. And it's so great to see the church growing again. And it's, uh, you know, he's building his church. But um, Satan in the world wants to uh, uh, attack it and destroy it. <clears throat> so thank you, Lord, <clears throat> for these people who are willing to come listen to me. <laughs> thank you for that. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Who died on the cross? Yeah, that's what I thought years ago, and it's right. 
I remember my Bible college uh, professors posting that question. And I said, well, any idiot knows that. Jesus died on the cross, you know. And then he began to teach, and I'm like, hmm, there's more to it than that. So I hope today we see there's more to it than that. The Christian life's not an easy life. It, it, we struggle. There's a lot of, of issues in life that we just struggle with. I struggle today. Every day of my life, I struggle with the same things I struggled with when I saved at 16 years old. <laughs> Nothing changes. Satan uses the same old bag of tricks, and he knows they work so well. You know, so he's always, always causing me to struggle, and I, and I, I wrestle with these things. And Paul the Apostle even confessed in Romans 7 <clears throat> that he struggled. He's talking there about the strife between two natures. And as Christians, we understand that there's two influences living in us. There's two natures. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talks about the old man and the new man. The old man, the old man that is sinful, that wants to be driven by my selfish desires and my sinful passions and the things I want to have in life and all these messed up ideals I have and how the world, I loved it when we had that conference um, uh, a little bit ago uh, where um, Wally was his name or, yeah, and he said that we get our value vertical, not horizontal. But as Christians, we struggle in the world to get it horizontal all the time. So we're struggling with this old man. And, but then Paul says, look, there's a new man living in us. If we're believers in Christ, there's this new man, the Holy Spirit. So we have an old nature and a new nature, both wrestling. And the question is, which will control? It's a daily, ongoing struggle that we face in our lives every day. So who will, who will reign? Who will be in control of our lives? That's the ultimate question. <clears throat> and it's going on all the time. Paul goes into it in great detail in Galatians 5, 16 through 26. And he sums it up there. He says, I say this then, walk in the Spirit and do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's the struggle. That's the battle we're in. And in the church, as I mentioned, there's a decline. There's a great decline in the church in the U.S., <clears throat> And so I was thinking, why do so many Christians that struggle and even come to the point of walking away from their faith and walking away from the things that they cling to believe, why? Why does that take place? And I said Christians, Christians walking away. Uh, Many of us have loved ones that um, family members or children or grandchildren that have just turned away from what they grew up believing and what they embraced at one time. It looked like they were Christians. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't, but now they're not living like that. And so it's painful to us, and and it's hard. And I'm not talking about a person that was and is not. Romans 8 tells us clearly we're not going to lose our salvation. Once we know Christ, we're secure in his love. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And I know that maybe these people never even trusted Christ. They were just pseudo-Christians or in the church but not really of the church. And uh, maybe they didn't embrace him as Savior. But that's something we can't really judge and who knows, you know, if a person claims to be Christ and then he walks away, who knows why? But it does make me question why. What, what are some components in that person's life that might not have been there? What are some things that we could look at that would help us not to do that in our own lives? To stay the course. To stay the course. What, what are some things? And I hope that this morning I'll just shine a little bit of light on that subject and, and maybe help us all get a little bit of a, a realignment in our thinking uh, to help us to realize that um, our need um, to come maybe into a fuller, a deeper, a more committed uh, relationship with Christ. And I'll say this too, it's not, it, in that it's not about me. That's the first thing we need to be again to focus on. <laughs> it's not about David. <laughs> Everything in life's about David, but no, it's not really. And so we've got to get our mind right that, it, that all of life is not about me. Even these people that I love, the people in my life that have walked away, 
They didn't walk away from me. They walked away from God. So it's not, I don't need to blame myself and feel guilty about that or beat myself up, you know. But I need to care for them. I need to pray for them. So, <clears throat> you know, it's not about me. So I hope, us real, I hope us, I can help us realize that. And to consider, another question is, how am, I, how am I treating those people in a loving way? How am I praying for those people around us? I know we all have them. I hear your stories. <laughs> I fellowship with you. I know I'm praying for your children and grandchildren. I know we have those relationships. So how can we better love them and pray for them? Because, you know, this thing of turning your back on Christ is not a new thing. I mean, it's the reason the whole book of, he- uh, of Hebrews was written. It was a Jude- Jude- uh, Jewish Christians that were going back to Judaism, walking away from, knowing Christ, having the, go- having the fellowship with Christ. I mean, seeing amazing things in their relationship to Christ and yet turning away from that because of the persecution. Because Judaism was easier to follow than being put to death for Christianity. <laughs> I think I might, would, would, that would be a challenge, wouldn't it? Would it? I think it would. So loving others, praying for others in that, I want to mention too that as we're doing that, the place we start is that it's not about me and ego and self have to be purged and set aside. When we're dealing with people we love, people we care about, even people we want to go to witness, we got to set ego and self aside. we got to set it aside, get rid of it, or we can't go anywhere in that relationship. So I'd like to take a look this morning along that line of thinking in two sections of Scripture. Luke 9, and you have your Bibles, your phones, you know, whatever. You can turn there. Luke 9, we're going to start there. And then Galatians uh, chapter 2. And I want to look at two words in Luke 9. And I'm going to read it 22 through 26, and then I'll take a look at these words. 22, Jesus is speaking. Peter's just had his great confession. Who who do you say that I am? He said, "You're, you're the Christ of God. You're the Son of the living God. And then in 22, Jesus says, the Son of Man, he begins to tell him some really, really, really difficult things. The Son of Man must suffer many things. And be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said unto them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantage if he gains the whole world and loses himself or is cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. And the two words I want to draw out of this text is cross and life. Uh, cross and life. Cross I want to come back to in a minute. It comes first in the text, but I'm going to come back to that in just a little bit. But the word life here is an interesting word. There's two words for life. We're going to see that word again in Galatians, but it's not the same word. It's a different word. So the word life here in this section is, I can't pronounce it. I've never figured it out since I went to about 1.30 last night, and I still can't pronounce it. <laughs> but it's P-S-U-E-C-H-E. We get our word psyche or psych or psychology from it. That's the word life here. Okay? It's physical or mental awareness. It's, it's natural life. It's the seat of the essence of the person or the individual, even their personality. 
It's used 104 times. It's translated heart and life and mind. It's living, breathing life. It's walking down the hall, going to the Sunday school room. It's going to work. It's going home. You're that person. They see you. We see you. That's life. You're living life. That's what this word is. It's physical life. Physical life. And so when Jesus is saying this to his disciples here is that they must be willing to lay down their physical life for him. Okay? Let's hold that for just a minute and only go to Galatians 2.20 with you. I had it pegged in my notes, but I don't have a second. Yeah, I do. Thank you. Okay. Galatians 2.19 and 20. He's talking about here about the Christian is, is dead to the law. Uh, its sentence has been uh, executed and the law is, is dead. And he says, for I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. And the ideal is all legal religion. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, what word do you see here that was in Luke over and over and over through that passage? Life, over and over. Live, life, liveth, all, all these versions of that word. This word is unique. This word is Zoe, Z-O-E. It's a, it's a great word. I love this word, Zoe, and you're, I think you're going to appreciate it more after I share some thoughts with you. But that word, Zoe, is uh, used um, 134 times in the Greek New Testament. And this is a, it's a great word. It's defined like this, life in the absolute sense. Life as God intends for it to be. Life, listen to this now, life which res, resides in and through God the Father resides in and through God the Father. He's the originator of Zoe life, that which the Father has in himself. And one of the characteristics, one of the attributes of God we don't ever mention much, or I didn't even think about it till last night, is that he is life-giving. He is a life-giving God. <laughs> He's life-giving. It originates and it flows from him. It's a special, unique word. So look at Genesis 2-7 with me a second. Genesis 2, 7. <clears throat> and it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and made him become a living soul. Zoe. He breathed into See, God made Adam, so Adam had a body. But that body wasn't anything until God breathed life into him. And the life he breathed into him was this life, spiritual life, eternal life. Adam was created an eternal being. And it's because God breathed his life-giving breath into his nostrils. And he became a life alive in a spiritual sense. Adam was created eternal, but this, the moment God breathed Zoe into him, he became eternal. And let's look at John just a minute. I've got a chain of verses, just five or six. You don't even have to follow me if you just want to listen. Because it starts in John 10, 10, and there's about six of them, I think. This word, Zoe, how is it used? Really a good word, John 10, 10. Okay, and he's talking about the good shepherd. And Jesus says, and the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I, I came that you might have life 
and that you might have life abundant. Zoe life. See, we can have life, but not Zoe life. He gives us that kind of life through relationship with him. And then in John 28, if I just flip the page over, he says, And I give, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hands. Zoe life. He gives them Zoe. And then 11, 28, and 26. It's all through John's writings. He loves that word. He used it a lot. So 11, 26, and um, 25 and 26. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? That's our word, Zoe. And then in 14, 6, 14, 6, and Jesus said, I am the, you know this verse, the way, the truth, and the Zoe, <laughs> the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And then the last one I want to pull out of here is the last, uh, near the last uh, chapter is 20. And Thad read this verse a couple weeks ago. But these, verse 31, but these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life. You might have life through his name. That's right. At salvation, all of us that believed in Jesus, we received this kind of life. That's the kind of life over in Galatians, Paul says, that he was crucified in Christ. He died with him. So who died on the cross? <laughs> David. When, when I accepted Christ, his atonement covered me. Jesus doesn't see me anymore. He sees Jesus. See, I'm covered in him. He's covered in me in his blood. He atoned for, paid the price for me. And so I'm crucified with him. And, uh, but yet I live. The life I live is a Zoe life that we can all experience. And that's what Jesus promised us. But let me ask you. In John 10, 10, Jesus said what? You can have the abundant, the, the Zoe life, the abundant life. But can really, I thought about this last night, can really the abundant life, the Zoe life, can that really be separated from what Paul's talking about and what Luke's talking about, the surrendered life? Can you have the abundant life without the surrendered life? I don't think so. I think they're interconnected. See, I think they're together. You, if, you're, if you're a Christian and you're not surrendered to Christ and you're struggling in your walk, it could be that you just need to surrender to Christ. <laughs> and, you, and he'll fill you with this, uh, his presence. And you'll experience this abundant life Jesus promised us. The abundant life. Okay, and the crucified life, they go hand in hand. When we learn to die to self, to die to sin, to die to Satan, then we can joyfully experience this Zoe life. The abundant life that Jesus died to bring us. And so, there's another word here I want to look at. Go back to Luke with me. And it's a, it's a good word for this too. <clears throat> that word cross. See, Jesus told his disciples some, some hard and some odd things here. Uh, what's happening is, he's just told them that he's going to be rejected and he's going to die. How do you think that made them feel? Happy? <laughs> Oh, man, sad and confused and betrayed, maybe. You know, this is, they are in a tough spot. And Jesus is really encouraging them here because he says, and you got to do the same thing. <laughs> so now they're like, and we're going to die for you? And he's like, yes, you're going to die for me. And every one of them died that kind of rejected, hard death, except John, who probably died of old age. 
But he said, you're going to follow me. You're going to be ridiculed. You're going to have a, be uh, exposed to a horrible death. But you know what? Follow me. So there's an amount of counting the cost involved in that, isn't it, for these guys and for us. Because the Zoe life comes when I surrender, but surrender takes a, a deliberate action on my part. It's not going to just happen. Something I have to decide I'm going to do. I want to do it, and I'm going to do it. So what's the cross we must bear? That's the question everybody loves to ask in that section right there in, in Luke. And I was looking at it. Uh, you hear people say, oh, it's my cross to bear. <laughs> you, know, you know that phrase. <laughs> well, one commentator even says this. This is the way he's teaching it. He says, the cross we must bear is our thoughts, especially toward others. He goes on then to talk about how we can control our thoughts toward others to encourage other people and not be negative towards people. Another guy, I just Googled these to see what people said. Another guy says, the cross involves the daily struggles we face, the strained relationships, a thankless job, perhaps physical illness or a rebellious child or an unfaithful spouse. That's the cross we bear. Well, all those things can be hard. I mean, they're, they're a burden to you. But I promise you, when Jesus told his disciples that they must be willing to take up their cross daily, I assure you, they knew what he was saying. They knew exactly what he meant. It wasn't a bad thought or a symbolic burden to bear at all. To carry a cross was to face the most painful and humiliating means of death a human being could endure. Bearing the cross meant one thing and one thing only, and that's death. Death. That's all it could mean. And Jesus, when he died, he died. He died as a man. We're going we're to share in uh, the Lord's Supper here. And we're going to focus on his death. And when he died, he died like I would die. Or you would, we're, we're all going to die unless he comes back. But he carried the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders as well. But physically, he died just like we're going to die. Some people die horrible deaths and some people die in their sleep. This death was a horrible death. But he died as a man, 110% a man. And what Jesus was saying in Luke 9 is exactly what Paul was expressing 20 years later in Galatians. Zoe, life comes by dying. It only comes by dying. And that's what Jesus is telling his disciples. And it only happens when we willfully surrender and die to self. This is not an easy message because we all love the freedom we enjoy. And we preach and proclaim freedom in our country. Um, I was telling Melinda the other day about how in our fifth and sixth grade class we need to talk to them sometime about uh, the difference between a theocracy and a monocracy, you know, and how we don't really appreciate a king and how people would tremble before the king. People would not show their back to the king. Whatever the king said, that's what you did. No question about it. Absolute, instant, obedient. Jesus is our king. <laughs> and we get in the way all the time of that, but he's our king. And one day, what does it say? Every knee is going to bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, Lord of all. So it would be easier for us to enjoy the Zoe abundant life now <laughs> if we would just surrender and give it up to him. I've got some great quotes I want to share with you. The cross, that word cross, literally means pole or a stake. Polar, it couldn't have meant anything but crucifixion. Um, Vine says that the judicial custom by which the condemned person carried his stake, 
Stratos is the word, to the place of execution was applied by the Lord to those suffering by which his followers were to express their fellowship and identity with him. Many people today might wear a cross, but, but they don't understand the value, what that really represents. I promise you, in this time when Jesus spoke this, crosses were not popular to wear. They didn't get tattoos of crosses, <laughs> okay? It was a, a symbol of shame. It was a symbol of, of, of pain, and it's not something you would wear. A crosses are fine. I'm not anti-cross. I'm just saying, to put it in perspective, this is the word he used, is cross. So we must realize to die and to die often is our calling. And I was thinking about that. I heard um, uh, Tony Evans this week uh, sharing about death and the resurrection. And he said that the only death we'll ever have to face as Christians is the death to self. When we pass from this life to the next, we're not dead. We're straight into, into, into glory. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So a Christian, if you die instantly, you're, you're, you're in glory. And so the death is not like the death of a lost person. See? So that's what his point was. So how does all this impact us, impact my life and yours, in a daily practical sense? And what, what, what does it really mean? Well, Stephen Oford, a great theologian, he said, Jesus Christ doesn't want our help. He wants to be our life, our Zoe. He doesn't want to wor- us to work for him. He wants us to surrender our will to him, to his will, and let him live through us. He said, using us as might, we might use a pencil to write uh, with, or, or, or better still, we might take our finger and draw like in the sand. That's what he wants. He just wants us to be that instrument, a surrendered, usable instrument. And I got an image of that because if you know me, you know my wife Melinda colors every night. She sits and got these little pencil colors, and she's done dozens and dozens and dozens of these pictures and posts them on her Facebook page. Very creative. And and she thinks I'm, I'm just not really appreciative. And when I said, that's a pretty one, what what made you decide to use that color? Because she is in complete control of the color she chooses to use, the pencil she picks up, if she wants to sharpen it or not, if she wants to do the design here. I would get so confused on those designs, it would look like mass chaos. But somehow it comes out a beautiful picture when she's through. And I thought about that. That's what what Stephen Oford is saying. God wants just to be that pencil. He wants to be that hand that, that he controls. That's what he wants. He wants to be, uh, to be in complete control of our lives as we surrender. He wants us to surrender to him. He gives us Zoe. Being crucified means that I'm dead. I'm gone. I haven't got a, Have you been to a cemetery lately? <laughs> there ain't a lot of people out walking around. <laughs> if there are, you got a problem. <laughs> that's, why, that, that's why I don't do those zombie movies. I, I can't do them. I can't handle them. I mean, when you're gone, you're gone. John Wayne always said, the thing about death that bothered him is it's just so permanent. (laughs) Ain't no return flight, (laughs) you know. So, that's right. So, there ain't no dead men walking around in the the graveyards. And listen, it's so much more than just realizing that I need to spend time with God. I do need to spend time with him in his word and prayer. I need that. And it's so much more than, than any single action or Christian activity or ministry that I might do. Those things aren't bad. They're good. But the crucified life is so much more. It's what Paul's Paul's talking about in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, by the mercies of God, 
He says, I present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. This practical sanctification stuff we're talking about is that. Verse 2, be not conformed to this world. But verse 1, be a living sacrifice. Galatians 2. It all ties together. It's the process of sanctification, and it happens how? Over and over. A process, you know, Nick Saban's always had the process. Well, he does that because it's a process that happens every time. There's consistency in a process. And sanctification needs consistency in our lives as believers. Over and over, I surrender. Do I surrender once? Yeah, once is good. Do I surrender maybe in a service like this? That's great. But you've got to surrender every moment of every day of your life. Over and over. Over and over. He wants to be us to be his hands and, and his feet and his mouthpiece. And that starts with me realizing that it's not about me. I'm, I'm dead. So why do Christians burn out? Why do many just walk away and say they don't believe anymore? We saw a special called, I think it was called The Mission on John, John Chow, the young boy that was early 20s that died on an island off of India. And they interviewed, it was a um, National Geographic just a couple of days ago, we went one and I saw it. And they interviewed a missionary who was a missionary in South America for like 20 years. And the guy had just was completely um, negative towards Christianity. His family, he had been divorced and his family fell apart. And he, he just has nothing for God now. And he was talking about John Childs, that he was a fool. He's an idiot. You know, there's nothing, no, no reason to go there. No, what, what kind of, what an ill-fated plan. You know, he's just, just horrible. And it was... I guess I was even thinking of this when, when last night came because why do so many walk away? I think they don't understand the depth of the abundant life. If they understood it, how precious Jesus is and how precious it is to walk with him every day and to have prayer answered in relationship and, and to see him working in our lives. In my business, the phone rings and I'm like, thank you, Lord, give me wisdom. What do I tell this guy? Or thank you, Lord, for the job. What's this for? I mean, it's a partnership. So that's what life is to be. It's a partnership with God where he's the chief partner. <laughs> and we're just surrendered to his will on and on. Romans 12, 1 and 2, that's what Paul's talking about. So why do Christians fall away? Maybe it's like Revelations 2, 4, where John's talking about the church of Ephesus, that they lost their first love. It could be, it could be that we're so busy serving Christ that we forget to love Christ. Ephesus was serving Christ. You look at the revelations, they were busy Christians. <laughs> but I'm going to get to heaven someday, I hope. And when I do, when I stand before the Lord, he's not going to say, Dave, you're really a busy Christian. <laughs> you did a lot of stuff. <laughs> no, that's not going to fly. Uh, that doesn't matter. And I think so many times we substitute busyness for holiness, and we're so busy that we, we lose sight of our need of Christ. I think when Ephesus has lost their, their, their first love, they lost their need of Christ. I love my wife because I need my wife. See, there's, there's an element of need in relationship and in loving a person. And that happens in our lives. Many, it's so easy for it to happen. And it's really a distraction by Satan <clears throat> because good things can become the enemy of the best. Paul Fleming, the founder of New Tribes, he said, let's don't let the good things become the enemy of the best. That can happen. Well, just in closing, Dr. Raymond Edmond, president of Wheaton College on this subject, he said, it's not enough just to know about Christ or to know his word 
or what he did for us, or even to experience his working in us. We need to experience him in us as he works out God's inscrutable will. It's Christ, Christ, Christ alone. Christ alone. It's in him and by him and for him and through him. Him, all him, (laughs) not David. So let's be carried um, let's be careful not to substitute activity for intimacy with Christ. And Martin Luther, Martin Luther, the reformer, he understood this challenge too and this call for practical daily sanctification. <clears throat> Martin Luther said, <clears throat> It is when a man gives up the struggle which pride of self thinks it can win. Did you get that? It's when a man gives up the struggle with pride of self he thinks he can win but must ever lose. And when he abandons himself to the forgiving, loving God, that then peace comes. Then this man will truly experience the abundant life Jesus offers. And he will be set free. Free from sin, free from self, and free from Satan. One of the stories I love to tell, I may have even shared it here in church before, but it's about surrender and about availability, and it's about expendability. (laughs) When World War II broke out, there was a soldier from World War I. And when the war broke out, he sent a telegraph. Now, you guys, you young people may not know what a telegraph is. You know what a telegraph is? All right. It's like a text, but it's a long time ago. And it, you keep it short. When they first came out with text, you remember, they charged you like per word. And it, you had to keep things like, 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 like telegraph. And so um this world war one veteran wrote his old commander the world war two the world war one commander he wanted to be available for for duty and here's what he said available dependable expendable say when say where that's the kind of heart jesus is looking for available dependable expendable say when say where i'm yours okay let's pray Father, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for the richness of your word. Father, I thank you for the privilege to come up and share. I know any of our elders could have, could have shared this morning. I just thank you that uh, we can come up and, and share our hearts and the things you're teaching us more than anybody. It's, it's about us, uh, learning from your word. And Father, these truths are difficult, but I pray, Lord, as we go into this next week, as we go into the world at work or home or school or whatever we're doing, that we would consciously, willfully surrender our day to you and surrender each moment to you. I pray that the the things we do and the things that we say, Lord, would honor you and would please you and make you smile. So, Lord, I pray that we'd have a heart that is taken up with you in every way and a heart that says, Lord, I'm available, I'm dependable, I'll even be expendable. If you call me to do whatever you tell me to do, Lord, I'll do it. And Lord, when we do that, you will fill us with the Zoe life, with life that's rich and full. Lord, you will give us a spiritual life beyond anything we could ever dream or ask or imagine. And it will be rich and it will be full. So Lord, help us, help us to see that it's a lie of Satan to think I have to be in control of my life. Lord, perhaps someone here today that, that's been struggling in that area, I pray you'd touch their hearts. Help them to see, Lord, that, that joy and abundancy of life and everything you intended it to be comes through a heart that says, I'm yours, Lord. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. I'm yours. Take me and use me for your glory. 
I pray you'd bless the choirs we sing and, and bless the time of the Lord's Supper here in a moment. In Jesus' name, amen. And as we approach the time when we're going to remember all that he's done for us, let's all stand and let's sing about his victory, victory in Jesus. Let's sing it.
sing that chorus one more time. Let's sing it without the piano. Let's sing it on Thursday. Jesus paid it Oh, 
Let's pray. Well, we thank you that your wounds have paid our ransom. And, um, Father, it's just beyond us to, to voice our appreciation and our, our love for you. To thank you, Lord, so much from our heart. It just says thank you. Thank you. And Lord, we just um, are so thankful uh, that we can now um, celebrate communion. And I pray you'd lead, guide, and direct that part of the service. And that it, too, would honor you and bless your name as we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Like the elders and others to come up that we've asked to serve. This is a new one for me. I think Steve did communion one time and uh, did a good job, but I've, I've not led communion. But, um, <clears throat> but communion is one of two ordinances that we were commanded to exert baptism and the Lord's Supper or communion. It's a time of uh, confession, uh, self-examination. We see that in 1 Corinthians 11. It's a time of consecration and remembrance. The Lord said, this do in remembrance of me. And it's a time of celebration and of worship. And we will one day be with the Lord. Jesus told his disciples, and, and, and celebrate this, we, he told his disciples to do this in remembrance of me. And he reminded them that one day he will return and will celebrate in heaven this, in the marriage supper of the Lamb. He said, we will, we will have this again. <laughs> we tells him that. And I think, when I think of the Lord's death, I'm reminded that nobody took his life. Nobody took it. He gave it up freely. He gave it up freely. He paid that ransom himself. And he wasn't forced to do it. He freely gave it up. In 1 Peter chapter 2, 21 through 25, it says, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile or deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. And when he suffered, <laughs> he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Who was his, in his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. For you were as sheep going astray, but now returned to the shepherd and bishop of our souls. That's his attitude in it. And Hebrews even says that for the joy, in Hebrews 12, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I don't think it was the pain of the cross, but it was the result of Calvary, the result of what he was bringing to us. We were first on his mind when all that went on. We, Melinda pointed out to me this week, um, um, Something she was mentioning about how when we get to heaven, we are coming with him. We are his reward. That's hard to believe it, <laughs> that we are his reward and that he's going to present to the Father. So thank the Lord that we have a time to celebrate. And in 1 Corinthians 11 <clears throat> is the passage that we typically go to because it's just for this occasion. That's why Paul, Holy Spirit had Paul write it down. And um, in chapter 11, Verse 23 says, For I received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my body. This do you as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink this bread and drink this cup, you show it. One version says you proclaim it. You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Whoever, I mean wherever, I mean, I'm sorry. 
Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and of the blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself. It's that area of confession I talk about. And let him eat of the bread and drink of, of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. And he even died from it. So it's a warning to us there. And I just think it's good for us just to take a couple of moments and pray and ask the Lord to clean our hearts and help us to truly have no sin, no guile, as he put it there in Peter, no guile in our lives towards him. So let's pray just a minute, and then I'll ask Steve if he'll just go ahead and, and bless the bread after I... Yeah. Lord, I think about that fateful night with your close disciples around you. You raised the bread and said, this is my body broken for you. And I imagine if I was there, I would be afraid because the time was near when the Savior would depart from us. But he told us to remember that and he told us how to remember the sacrifice of his body for us and the surety that it provided. And even today, as we observe the Lord's Supper, we know that he is with us and will be till the end of the age. Thank you, God, for what you've done for us. In Christ's name, amen.
I've, I don't think I've ever had this thought, but I was thinking as um, the element was being passed around, I was thinking, you know, it's communion, uh, not only with the Lord in communion, as he set that up, but it's communion of the body. <laughs> it, it, that's, a, that's a beautiful picture of our relationship to Christ. We're communing with him part, uh, vertically, but we're communicating with one another, too, horizontally. So let's take the bread and eat and remember his body. Thank you, Lord. So um, let me undo this. <clears throat> We're going to push this out and then we'll pray. Brian, son, would you pray? Yeah. Dear Holy Father, we just are, again, so grateful. And, um, Lord, we plead, as we sang last week, we plead the blood, Lord. We have nothing else. Um, apart from your blood, there's no atonement. Apart from your blood, we're still in our sins. The Father is still at war with us because of our rebellion. And so... Everything um, about our Christian life is because you shed your blood. Help us to remember that um, as we partake, uh, Lord, of the cup today. In your name we pray. Amen.
know, it's always amazed me how the ladies know just about how many of those to fix. You know, we just, the choir had one left over. <laughs> so, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing from Genesis to Revelations, nothing but the blood of Jesus. He is our atonement, the strength. Uh, the choir is going to sing a number, and then we've got some exciting news. We've got some new members to welcome. <clears throat> We have taken this valuable time to remember what Christ has done for each and every one of us. But he's not done yet. Because after he has done what he's done on the cross and he was raised from the dead and he ascended to the Father, he promises us he's coming back. Amen? He's coming back and he's going to welcome us to come with him. And there we will be with him. For eternity. Lord, we wait. We wait on you to come. Listen to the choirs they sing. If we believe that Christ died and rose again, then surely we believe that Jesus himself will descend from heaven with a mighty shout and with the soul-stirring cry of the archangel. His coming will be accompanied by the sound of the trumpet of God. The believers who are dead will be the first to rise and meet him. Then we, who are still living, will be swept up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And we shall remain with him forever and ever.
look around me, I see prophecies fulfilled, and the signs of the times, they're appearing everywhere, I can almost see the Father. That's something Thad doesn't have to do. <laughs> he just comes up and ends the service. So, wow. Um, we love that song. I mean, it's just so... Mm. It's hard for Bruce to read that narration. He never got it right in practice. He, cr he cries before he gets to it. <laughs> so, good job, Bruce. He did a good job. But, uh, yeah. We've got some new members that we want to come forward up front today and uh, greet them, welcome them into the family here. And I'm going to read the list. It's great. You know, I think there's like 17. So God is growing his church. And as I call your name, if you will, come up here on the front. <clears throat> we'll have a word of prayer for you, and everybody can come greet you. Um, Aaron and Kate Bice. The Bices. You're here. Good. Come on up. Uh, Lily Boyer. Good. There's Lily. Uh, Craig Brown. Good. <clears throat> Mark and Sheila Cardwell. There you go, good. Courtney Cooper, I know her. She's here? Courtney here today? Okay. Uh, Jim and Kathy Craig? 
uh, with a baby. And he was so good. I never, is it a boy or girl? Yeah, I never heard, I never heard a word. I never, oh, no ways at all. Good job. <laughs> She's precious. Uh, Bethany Hughley. Bethany. Wendell Kidwell. And y'all can come on over this way, too. Y'all can, Thad always has to direct the traffic. Let's get some on this side and move in. Kidwell. And Bob and Debbie Lowe. Lowe's here. Okay. Oh, there they go. Yeah, good, Bob and Debbie. And they just dove right in because we were gone one week, and they both were in the choir when we got back. So it's like, Bam. Uh, Nick Price. There's Nick. He's been around a while. Willie, Will, I should say, Will and Julie <laughs> Vandersmith. That was the one name I was not sure if I was right, but Vandersmith. Come on up. <laughs> and this one I know really well since, like, being born. Deborah Jane Stovall. Ah, oh, yeah. Come on up, Deborah Jane. All right, these are our new members. Some couldn't be here today, obviously, but give me a hand. Thank y'all. All right, I'll just close in prayer, and then you'll be dismissed and come welcome these new members. Father, we thank you again for a great day. Lord, we do want to just tell you we love you, we praise you, we thank you that one day there will be that midnight cry, and you'll call us up to heaven. Lord, it's just uh, something we've looked forward to. Our Lord, and we just look forward to that time when we will be called to you to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And we're to encourage one another with those words, Lord, to trust you to come for us. And we love you. We thank you for the morning. We pray again for our brother Thad. Lord, we just pray you'd be with the doctors and heal his body and take care of his needs and comfort him, encourage him. God, I pray you would just put a hedge about him and give him strength emotionally and spiritually and in every way. And just uh, heal him completely. And we lift him to you again this morning. Thank you for the service now in Jesus' name. Amen.